in Genesis chapter 49 again <clears throat> this evening. <coughs> Genesis 49, and let's read from verse 16, as we did this morning. Genesis 49, verse <coughs> 16. It says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path, that biteth the horse heels, so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop, shall overcome him, that he shall overcome at the last. Out of Asher, his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. Nephtali is a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. Let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we are very thankful that we have yet another opportunity to come around your word. Lord, I pray that this evening, as we uh, consider the next portion of this passage, that Lord, you would once more open our eyes to see the truth of your word, give us understanding of the passage before us. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would enable me through the Spirit this evening, give me wisdom and guidance, that it would be your words, it would be your thoughts this evening, that, Lord, we would be uh, blessed and refreshed by your word and leave singing your praises and giving all glory and honor to your name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> of course, this morning we considered uh, the prophecy concerning Gad, there in verse 19, and we, we talked about the fact that Jacob <coughs> prophesied that uh, Gad would uh, settle in the land, and they would settle in a place where they would be under constant threat from the enemies, from the Ammonites in particular. But these threats would strengthen them as a tribe. They would become fierce warriors themselves. And then, of course, we concluded with that wonderful promise that in the end they would overcome. They would overcome at the last, gain the victory. And this evening now we come to yet another short prophecy, and this time it's concerning Gad's younger brother, Asher. Uh, there in verse 20 it says, Out of Asher his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. So we come to Asher, and we come to this one short little verse, a bit like this morning. Uh, Asher and the, the prophecy concerning him, concerning the tribe bearing his name. We read of Asher's birth back in Genesis chapter 30. Let's go back there as we did this morning <coughs> concerning Gad. But this time we'll read of Asher, Genesis chapter 30 <coughs> and verse 12. <coughs> Excuse me. Genesis 30 verse 12 says, And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a second son. And Leah said, Happy am I, for the daughters will call me a bless, uh, blessed and she called his name Asher. And so here we see that Asher is Gad's younger brother, as the second son born unto Zilpah, Leah's maid. And Leah is the one who names him, a bit like with the other sons. Leah names him here, and she names him <coughs> Asher after exclaiming there in verse 13, <coughs> Happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed or blessed. And so the name Asher speaks of happiness. It speaks of being blessed by God. 
And as we consider the prophecy concerning Asher here in Genesis 49 this evening, we see that yet again the prophecy alludes to or fits his name. Okay, as we talked about this morning, many of the prophecies have fitted their name, and that's the same again with Asher. His name means happiness, it means blessed by God, and we see that he is indeed blessed, and he receives an inheritance that makes him happy. Uh, Butler writes this, Good fortune can be ascribed to the, to the meaning of Asher. So can happy. And these two meanings of Asher's name are found here in, this, uh, in his benediction from Jacob. Asher certainly had good fortune in the fruitfulness of his land in Canaan, and that would make him very happy. And so the prophecy before us this evening fits his name once more perfectly. It speaks of Asher's blessed dwelling place in the land of Canaan, and we also see what he does with this blessing that God gives unto him. So let's notice first of all his blessing. His blessing, verse 20 says, out of Asher, <coughs> excuse me, out of Asher, his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. In the first half of the verse, we see the blessed dwelling place, the, the place of advantage that Asher is going to have in the land of Canaan. Jacob declares there, he says, Out of Asher, his bread shall be fat. And these words immediately tell us that Asher is going to inherit a very rich. Uh, portion of land, a very fertile piece of land in the land of Canaan. The word bread here speaks of the basic necessities of life. And Jacob says their bread shall be fat. The word fat, you could take it to mean rich. Okay, so their basic necessities of life will be rich. Okay, it's the idea that they will have in abundance. And so the point is clear, you know, they're going to be uh, given a portion of land which is very blessed. It's going to provide everything that they need as a tribe. If you, if you like, they're not going to have to outsource. They're not going to have to rely on others to provide the necessities of life. Their land is going to give them everything they need. In a sense, they will have want of nothing in this portion of land. The commentator Gill writes this, he says, that this signifies that this tribe would have a sufficiency of food out of their own land without being obliged to others, and that it would be of the best sort. So they would have sufficiency, and they're going to have of the very best in their land. And so Jacob is uh, giving Asher here a great blessing, okay, fitting with his name. Great blessing that will have this rich blessing providing for the necessities of life. But there is something else alluded to here with this word fat here in verse 20. Okay, Out of Asher, his bread shall be fat. We said this word means rich, and that is one of the meanings of the word. There is a second meaning to the word, and that is oil. And so the word points to a more specific part of this blessing, if you like. It points to a specific way in which they will be blessed. Well, in which way they'll have this, uh, this abundance in their land. And in particular, that abundance will be in the form of oil. But we're not just talking about any oil. The word translated fat here is the feminine form for the word oil. It's the word shimen. And this word shimen is used over 190 times in the Old Testament. And it is always used to refer to olive oil. It's always used referring to olive oil. 
And so Jacob's use of the word here points to the fact that Asher's inheritance will be in a region that is well suited to the growing of olive trees and the production of olive oil, this, this very useful and precious commodity in Bible times. Moses alluded to this same aspect of the blessing in Deuteronomy chapter 33. Just turn over there. Deuteronomy 33 and verse 24, it says, And of Asher he said, Let Asher be blessed with children, let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Here we see that (coughs) Moses declares concerning Asher, he says, Let him dip his foot in oil. And again, the word oil here is that Hebrew word, shimen. It's that same word, and so speaking of olive oil. And basically what Moses declares here is that the olive oil will be so plentiful in their land, in the the tribe of Asher's portion, that they could bathe their feet in it if they wanted to. So plenteous, you know, they could dip their foot in oil, bathe their feet in it. And so it seems very clear that Jacob's prophecy in Genesis 49 is speaking about this same truth. It's alluding to this wonderful fact that their land will be rich and fertile, providing for the necessities of life, but also providing this wonderful commodity, olive oil. Um, It would be perfect for producing this this olive oil, this product. This means that the tribe, of course, would be very blessed. You know, olive oil, of course, had had an abundance of uses in Bible times. You know, it was used for cooking, it was used for lighting, used for medicine. Of course, it was also used for religious anointings. It had many uses. It was a valuable commodity, precious commodity. And so to receive such an inheritance is a great blessing for the tribe of Asher. It is a blessing. It is fitting for their name. You know, blessed, happy. It's a blessed place. And as we look through the scriptures, we learn that Jacob's prophecy was indeed perfectly fulfilled. It was proven to be true. And we're not surprised by that. All the way through Genesis 49, we've seen every prophecy perfectly fulfilled. And we see that yet again here with Asher. In Joshua chapter 19, we're not going to read it because it's just a list of cities and I can't pronounce half of them and we're not going to really gain any understanding from it. But in Joshua 19, 24 to 31, we read the portion of land that's given unto Asher. And if you then look at the map, you'll see that Asher gets the portion of land to the north, right on the Mediterranean uh, coast, on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So it's north of Mount Carmel, which we talked about a few weeks ago. It's that section of land right on the coast. And these were lush, fertile plains, perfect for for agriculture, and indeed perfect for the production of olive oil. One commentator wrote this. He said, Asher settled in the area known as Haifa, in, the, in northern Israel, it is still a beautiful coastline with fertile grounds and olive trees all around. Olive oil from the heart of olive country. Another writes the same thing. The territory of, of Asher has always been known for its vast olive groves. Even today, most of the olive oil produced in Israel comes from Asher's territory. One of the fertile valleys in Asher's territory today is actually called the Valley of the Olive. 
And so God's word was perfectly fulfilled. They received this wonderful portion of land, this land that would provide the necessities of life, but also this wonderful commodity, olive oil. That ashes bread was indeed made fat, as God's word declares. You know, as we consider this wonderful blessing that's bestowed upon Asher, this wonderful portion of land and, and, and all the usefulness of that land, now we're reminded about our own blessed state as believers. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul declares that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Just, just turn over there, Ephesians 1. <clears throat> Ephesians 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Indeed, we are blessed as believers with all spiritual blessings. And these blessings are ours in Christ because of his finished work there on the cross, because of our faith in him. And you know, being spiritual blessings, they are of far more value than any temporal blessing. You know, any temporal blessing here on earth, these are spiritual blessings. You know, these spiritual blessings are our salvation, you know, our cleansing from sin, redemption, forgiveness of sin, our regeneration, new birth, as we've been talking about on Wednesday nights from First Peter, our regeneration, and the inheritance that is waiting for us one day in glory. These are all our spiritual blessings. You know, Peter describes this wonderful inheritance that's ours in 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's turn there. <clears throat> Peter describes it as in incorruptible and undefiled. 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We're kept by the power of God through faith under salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Now, Peter describes our inheritance here as being incorruptible and undefiled, fadeth not away. This is the rich inheritance that waits for us in heaven one day. This is the blessing that is ours through Christ. And we have the promise here in First Peter that we will enter into that, that blessing. It is reserved for us in heaven one day. Nothing can take it away. And it's ours because of Christ. And of course, these spiritual blessings that we have in Christ are not just something we'll experience in the future, are they? They're blessings we experience even now here on earth. In Ephesians 1, we're told the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in our hearts and the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. Let's go and read that, Ephesians 1. <clears throat> in Ephesians 1 and verse 13, we'll start in verse 12. It says that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. We have the Holy Spirit now dwelling within. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
Verse 14 says, which is the earnest of our inheritance. It is the down payment of this wonderful inheritance that waits for us in heaven. The down payment of that blessing is the blessing of the Holy Spirit now dwelling within. You know, the Holy Spirit's there to guide us, to convict us of sin. The Holy Spirit is there to enable us to serve the Lord. You know, Peter understood the enabling power of the Spirit in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Just go there. Uh, sorry, Paul, I should say. 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Peter 1 and verse 12. Paul says this, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. It was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now Paul says there in verse 12, he says that he thanks Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. You see, Paul understood that the Holy Spirit within was the one who enabled him for the ministry. It was the Lord who gave him the ability, the power, the, the, the wisdom to preach and teach the gospel. Now, this was Paul's calling. This was Paul's spiritual gift, wasn't it? It was Paul's blessing from the Lord. God gave him this blessing of being able to preach and teach. That was the gift. That was the talent given unto him. You see, at salvation, we all receive the indwelling Holy Spirit. And through the Spirit, we are all enabled for the ministry. We are all given gifts. We are given spiritual blessings from the Lord. And we're given those blessings, why? To use them for His glory here on earth. Now, Romans 12 speaks about all these different gifts that are given unto us. Let's just go there, Romans 12. Romans 12, and we'll start from verse 3. <clears throat> it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being member, many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, and it goes on. It talks here about all the different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives unto us as believers. And He gives us those gifts to use for His glory here on earth. To bring glory to His name and indeed to be a blessing unto others. That's why we've been blessed with those gifts, those talents, through the Holy Spirit. You know, as we look back at the prophecy unto Asher... We see that Jacob goes on and he declares that Asher is going to do just that. They've been given this wonderful blessing from God and they're going to take that blessing, go, they're going to be good stewards of what God has given them and they're going to be a blessing unto others. And so that's the second part of this prophecy. We've seen his blessing 
And we see, secondly, his stewardship. His stewardship. Go back there to Genesis 49 and verse 20. It says, Out of Asher his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. In the second half of the prophecy, Jacob here says, And he shall yield royal dainties. Basically, what he's saying here is that Asher is going to make good use of the blessing that God gives to them. They're going to make good use of this, this land and this olive oil and the necessities of life that are going to be produced from this wonderful portion of land that is given unto them. They're not going to waste it. They're not going to hoard it unto themselves. Rather, they're going to use it, and they're going to use it to be a blessing unto others. And in particular, we're told that they will supply for the king's table. Okay, they're going to provide royal dainties. Now, the word translated dainties here means delicacies or pleasures, delights. It's talking about the very best that is on offer. And they're going to provide the very best for the king's table. And so Jacob declares that from their abundance of bread, necessities of life, agriculture, wheat, all those things, and from their abundance of olive oil, Asher is going to provide these wonderful delights fit for the king's own table. Commentator Butler writes this, To his credit, Asher did not squander away his advantages and opportunities, but he was a good steward of them. In such fertile ground, he was capable of producing much better than others, and he did. Royal Dainties emphasizes the excellence of his production. You see, this tribe was going to use what God had given them. They are going to use it. They were going to be good stewards and share the blessing with those around them. And we see this prophecy fulfilled uh, throughout the Old Testament. We see it in a couple of places in particular. First Kings chapter 4 and verse 7. We learn of during King Solomon's reign how each of the tribes would bring of their produce and provide for the king's table. First <clears throat> Kings chapter 4. And verse 7 says, And Solomon had twelve officers over all Israel, which provided victuals for the king and his household. And each man his month in a year made provision. And if you drop down to verse 16, it says, Bana, the son of Hushai, was in Asher and in Aloth. And so you have here listed the fact that each of the twelve tribes would take a turn making provision for the king and his household. And they would do it for a month at a time, and there was a, an officer sent, set over each tribe. And so the tribe of Asher took their turn. And no doubt the kings look forward with great anticipation to Asher's month, you know, to the month when they would provide their delicacies, their pleasures, delights from their wonderful produce coming from their land, and indeed the wonderful olive oil from their land. And so they provided for Solomon's table and indeed other kings. And we also learn from 1 Kings chapter 5 that in the trade agreement with Hiram, king of Tyre, Solomon sent food for Hiram's household and he also sent 20 measures of pure oil. Let's just go there. 1 Kings 5 and we'll start in verse 7. It says, And it came to pass when Hiram heard the words of Solomon, that he rejoiced greatly and said, blessed, uh, blessed be the Lord this day, which hath given unto David a wise son over this great people. And Hiram sent 
to Solomon, saying, I have considered the things which thou sentest to me for, and I will do all thy desire concerning timber of cedar and concerning timber of fir. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon unto the sea, and I'll convey them by sea in floats unto the place that thou shalt appoint me, and will cause them to be discharged there, and thou shalt receive them. <coughs> Excuse me. And thou shalt accomplish my desire in giving food for my household. So Hiram gave Solomon cedar trees and fir trees according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 measures of wheat for food to his household and 20 measures of pure oil. Thus gave Solomon to Hiram year by year. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. And they, they too made a league together. And so here we see that in this trade agreement, <coughs> Solomon sent all this food up uh, unto Hiram, but he also sent 20 measures of pure oil. And the oil mentioned here is that same word again, uh, Sherem, uh, and it's olive oil, which we talked about earlier, the fact that it was mainly produced in Asher's fertile ground. And so basically here we see that Asher provides the oil, this pure oil, for this trade agreement that exists with the king of, uh, of Tyre, Hiram. They provide this oil for the king's table, if you like. And so we see it fulfilled in, in a couple of ways here, providing the delicacies to eat, but also providing this rich, pure oil for this trade agreement between the two kings. You see, the point is that Asher did indeed end up using what God had given them. They were good stewards of the land and they didn't keep it just for themselves. They were a blessing unto others with what God had given them. They provided for the king's table and they provided exports unto the surrounding tribes and regions. You know, in this we see yet another wonderful example for us as believers today. You see, as I said earlier, God has given unto each of us wonderful blessings He's blessed us with gifts, with talents, with abilities in various forms. And we are to be good stewards of what God has given us. Good stewards of those blessings. You know, Christ taught this principle well in the parable of the talents. Just, just go there, Matthew 25. <clears throat> Matthew 25, let's read from verse 14. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid, excuse me, his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and reckoneth with them. And, and so he that <coughs> had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou, del thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, 
Now deliver this unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went, and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there hast that is thine. The Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I, had not, I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put the, my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I should have received mine own, own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into utter darkness, outer darkness, sorry, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We know this parable well, the parable of the talents. You know, Christ gives us this story here of a, a man, a master, entrusting talents under his three servants, and he gives unto each of them according to their ability. Verse 15, it says, And he gave, uh, sorry, and unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Gives unto each according to their ability. They each receive a different amount. You know, some receive more, some less, but they were each expected to take what they were given and use it while the master was away. Use it to be profitable. And two of the servants, of course, were faithful. They took, they used what was given unto them. They were good stewards, and they were rewarded for their faithfulness. Verse 21, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now those that were faithful were rewarded as good and faithful stewards, rewarded for their faithfulness. But of course the third servant took his talent and hid it in the earth. He did nothing with it. He was an unfaithful steward of that which was entrusted unto him. Now verse 26 it says, The Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. He's called wicked and slothful, lazy. Now this servant failed to use what was given unto them. They failed the master who had blessed them, entrusted them with this talent. See, the picture is clear, isn't it? You know, the Lord has entrusted us with blessings here on earth. He's enabled us through the Spirit. He's given us these talents, these gifts, these abilities to use for His glory. We're not to take them and hide them in the earth as the wicked and slothful servants. But rather we are to make good use of the blessings given unto us, faithfully serving our Lord, using those abilities, those talents that He has given us, using that which God has given us substance-wise too, using it to His glory. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, we're told that what God requires of us here on earth is faithfulness. Let's just read that, 1 Corinthians 4. First Corinthians 4, verse 1, it says, Let a man so account of us as of, of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, 
Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. This is what God requires of us as his stewards here on earth. He has entrusted us with these blessings and he expects us to use them to his glory. Be faithful stewards, faithful servants. And you know, part of that faithfulness, part of that stewardship is using these blessings that God has given us to be a blessing unto others. 1 Peter 4, Peter instructs us to use our gifts, gifts to minister unto others. Let's just go there and read it. 1 Peter 4. First Peter 4 and verse 10. It says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In verse 10 there it says, And every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards. But to take what God has given us, those gifts, those talents, those abilities, he has blessed us with, and we are to use them to minister unto others, be a blessing unto others. You see, whatever the talent is, whether it's small or great, God has given it to us to use for his glory and to be a blessing unto those around us. You know, Asher was a tribe blessed with much. They were blessed with much, but they were good stewards of what God gave them. They used it and they were a blessing unto others. And beloved, may we this evening learn likewise to be faithful stewards of what God has given us here on earth. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful word this evening. We thank you, Lord, yet again for the lesson that we can see in the Old Testament from these prophecies unto these sons. This time unto Asher, Lord, and Lord, the great blessing that he would receive this wonderful land, this land of great necessities, plenteous in those things that he needed, and also in olive oil. But Lord, he would not squander away that blessing. He would use it and be a blessing unto others. Lord, may you help us likewise to take that which you've given unto us. Lord, those abilities, those gifts, those talents, may Lord, we use them to be a blessing unto others and to bring glory and honor to your name. Help us, Lord, to be faithful stewards. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.